Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad you're joining me today. Listen, this is part three of Coming to the Comforter. Listen, every once in a while, you need somebody to go to that can encourage you, somebody that can support you, uh, somebody that can love on you, and somebody that's not going to come along and judge you, but somebody who can come along and just support you. Well, God's given us layers of support. If we're smart enough, if we're wise enough to tap into these layers. You know, uh, when you were born, you were born into a family. God gave you a wonderful family. It wasn't an ideal situation. Nobody's born into a perfect family. Most of us are born into families that are, well, I guess you could say quite jacked up from the floor on up. But God gives us people in our lives to guide us, to protect us, to love us, to care for us. And sometimes they can be the greatest source of hurt. But when we think about how God designed us, God designed us to be in community. And so the first layer of comfort is found in the family. And I'm talking about parents bringing comfort to their children. I'm not talking about them bailing them out of everything. I'm talking about giving them guidance, giving them protection. Uh, But children are to be taught how to honor their father and their mother. They're to obey their parents. And when they do that, things go a whole lot better for them, right? (laughs) That's the only command. When it comes to honoring your father and mother, that's the, the first command that things go well with you. And then God gives us a spouse. And I think about the story of Rebecca and Isaac. And Isaac and Rebecca, when they were married, they got married when Isaac's mom, Sarah, passed. And Rebecca provided comfort. Isn't that wonderful to have a spouse that gives you comfort? And then God gives you children. Children are a reward. Did you know that? Children are a blessing from the Lord, and happy is a man who has his quiver full of children. They are your social security, right? Children are a blessing. Now, listen, they're hard work. I'm not uh, downplaying the work that's involved in having children. But in the long term, children are such a blessing. They are a gift from God. They are his reward. And so that's the first layer. You say, well, maybe that first layer isn't so good for you, and maybe your family is not very supportive, not very comforting. Uh, Well, then God has a second layer, and I'm calling this the layer of friendship. God brings friends into our lives that can help us to navigate through life. And, And I think about iron sharpening iron, one man sharpening another man. And I think about the story of Ruth in the book of Ruth and how God provided for Ruth and how God provided for her mother-in-law, Naomi, in the most unusual way. But God provided through a friendship of a guy by the name of Boaz, who became a friend of Ruth and was a distant relative of Naomi. But God used that friendship to bring comfort. I mean, can you imagine being in the shoes of Naomi? You're married, you move to a foreign country, you bring your two sons with you, your two sons find two wives. And as a result of being in this foreign country, your, your husband dies, and then your two sons die, and then you're left in this foreign country with nobody but you and your two daughter-in-laws, and you decide to come on back home, but you are bitter because of all that God has brought you through. And as you get back home, you're scratching your head, wondering, how in the world am I going to take care of myself? Your one daughter-in-law stayed in Moab, and your other daughter-in-law, Ruth, she says, well, let me see if I can help out anyway. And, and God brings you in connection with a guy by the name of Boaz, and Boaz provides comfort to the family. Oh, that's what friends are. Friends are able to support you in your good times and celebrate with you in your good times, but they're also to support you in your difficult times. Well, there's a third layer that we looked at, 
And the third layer is what I would call the comfort of forgiveness. You know, I used to think that the best feeling in the world is the feeling of accomplishment. Now the best feeling in the world is the feeling of being forgiven. I remember many years ago, I was sued for a million dollars and I was at fault in a terrible accident in which an innocent party was was, uh, severely injured and uh, the insurance money ran out and the coverage ran out and I was sued and and I was devastated. My my attorney told me I couldn't speak with uh, the the other client, and I had to uh, I had to guess kind of go through a time of of depression. I spent a year uh, being depressed over that whole situation. But at the end of the trial, uh, I was found guilty. But of course, I uh, I had no way of paying that, and, and so it was thrown back to do the best they could with the insurance company. But I remember after that trial, when I could finally speak to the person that I hurt. I went to this individual and I said, you know, I want you to know that that I am so sorry uh, for my negligence and my stupidity. Uh, Would you please forgive me for being so negligent? You know what this young lady did without any hesitation. She says, I have already forgiven you. And she just embraced me. And she says, I know this was an accident and accidents happen. You are totally forgiven. You know, that is a wonderful comfort. In the story of Joseph, I shared most of the details yesterday in the broadcast, but I, I want to go toward the end of the life of Joseph. He is now number two in command in Egypt, and a famine is across the land, and, and his family especially is feeling the effects of that famine as they're living down in Canaan, and they decide to go to Egypt. And they go to Egypt because they had heard that Egypt was prepared for this famine and and they were so well prepared that they had extra food and they go and they try to buy some food and to provide for their family. And Joseph recognizes his brothers as they gather before him. And and I'm skipping a lot of details and getting to the main point of the story of God's forgiveness and how that brings comfort. Joseph's brothers are talking and, and Joseph recognized them immediately, but they didn't recognize him. You see, at this stage, Joseph was probably bilingual. He could speak Hebrew because he was raised as a Hebrew, but he also picked up the Egyptian language, and so he spoke to them in the Egyptian language through an interpreter first, but then a transition happens. He reveals himself, and I believe at that point, he started speaking to them in their native language, and this is what he says to them, In the book of Genesis chapter 15, he says to them, you know what, all this stuff that you did to me, all this bad stuff you did to me, you meant it for evil. He doesn't whitewash it. He says, but God meant it for good. Uh, Romans 8, 28, all things work out for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. And Joseph says, God turned us into good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And then his next little phrase is such a meaningful phrase. He comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. He didn't say, you don't deserve my help, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. He says, I am going to be kind to you. You are forgiven. You are set free. 
Oh, what comfort do we find in being set free? But then there's the fourth layer, and that is the layer of faith. Walking by faith. You know what faith is? Forsaking all, I trust Him. It is remaining optimistic even when it appears that the odds are stacked against Him. Even when you're crushed and you're broken. If your faith is intact, you find great comfort. The psalmist says the Lord is near the brokenhearted and He saves the crushed in spirit. You see, God has wired us to be living with hope. And when we lose our faith, we begin to die on the inside. We begin to lose that ability to keep on pressing on. Listen, God will take care of you. I promise you that he will take care of you, which leads to the fifth layer. And I'm calling this fifth layer the layer of future blessings. Now, in order to develop this point, I want you to think about the story of Lazarus. Now, not the Lazarus that Jesus rose again from the dead. This is a different Lazarus. And now some people say Jesus may have been referring to this Lazarus, but uh, from the context of it, we cannot make that connection. In Luke chapter 16, we have Jesus telling the story of a rich man and Lazarus. The rich man was living a life of much comfort. He was wealthy. Lazarus was a beggar, had nothing. Well, as the story unfolds, we discover that the rich man dies and Lazarus dies. They wake up and they are in Abraham's bosom. Lazarus is being comforted, but we discover that the rich man, who we don't know his name, is found separated, but he's able to communicate to Abraham. And he's able to cry out to Abraham, wanting to get comfort. And Abraham says, now, now child, to the rich man, do you remember in your lifetime, you received many good things, and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted, and you are in anguish. Now, Abraham wasn't saying that Lazarus is in heaven because he was poor, and you're in hell because you are rich. Now, riches in and of themselves is nothing wrong, right? It's the love of riches that will blind us to the truth of our need of salvation. Why is it harder for rich people to get saved? Because Jesus says it's like going through the eye of a needle, because they don't think they need salvation, because their riches, so they believe, will sustain them. Lazarus knew that he was poor in spirit, and so he trusted the Lord to give him salvation. The rich man thought he had everything he needed. He despised the poor and didn't feel like he needed anything, but he was left empty. And so the comfort of a future is a blessing if you know Christ. You know, if you're a believer today, the only hell that you will experience is right here on this earth. If you're a non-believer, the only heaven that you're going to experience is right here on the earth. For those who know Christ, the future only gets better for us. Every day that we wake up is a new opportunity. God's mercies are new every morning. You, every day I wake up, I remind myself, you know what? I'm one day closer to going to heaven. That's right. Now, I hope I'll be around for a few more years, but every day I wake up, I'm one day closer to spending eternity with my Lord and Savior, to spending eternity with many of my family members and, and brothers and sisters in Christ and friends who have gone on before me. 
I'm looking forward to that future. Listen, when you have hope for a future, it gives you the ability to press on. Many years ago, I was in a a very serious car accident. I crushed my back, uh, knocked out my teeth and my front teeth and uh, collapsed my lungs. And so I was on a, a respirator for 10 days. And then when I tried to get out of the bed, that's when they discovered I had broke my back. Uh, well, the doctors put me in a body brace. And they said, if I would wear this brace for six months, my odds of healing up were pretty good. Now, when you injure your back in certain places, it never completely heals. And so what they did is they, they put this brace on me so that uh, all around that spot that would never heal uh, would be in a different location so it would take the pressure off the area that was crushed. And they said, now, if you will wear this brace for six months, uh, don't get tired of it. And, you know, it's in the middle of summer. And uh, it was hot wearing that brace for an entire summer. And I said, now, if you will wear this brace, and then if you will do some, some therapy, and then if you will make sure that uh, the rest of your life you keep your weight somewhat down, uh, you will probably be able to get past this injury and live a, a fairly normal life. Well, wearing that brace was a pain. I counted off the days. I got a calendar, and I counted off the days of how much longer I had to wear that brace. And I got almost at the six-month point, and the doctor says, listen, I want to do another 30 days. And so I do another 30 days, but I counted off those days, and I'm so glad that I did. Because I followed the doctor's orders and wearing that brace faithfully, the only time I took it off was to take a shower. I slept with it. Uh, I constantly had it on uh, because I wanted to do everything I could to make sure that my future blessings were intact. You know, the same thing as living a Christian life. So many things that we do now, we may not see the payoff in the nasty now or now, but in the future, we have blessings. You know, we're never going to get to heaven and say, man, I wish I wasn't so faithful in serving the Lord. We're going to be saying, thank you, Lord, that I was so faithful in serving you. Well, there's another layer of comfort that God gives us. We've talked about family, friendships, forgiveness, faith, the future. Number six would be the fellowship of co-laborers. Now, to drive home this point, I want to look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Paul is writing to his fellow prisoner, and he says, I'm sending you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. And then he says, justice also sends you greetings. And then he says, these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have provided comfort to me. Here Paul mentions three people, one an inmate that he was locked up with, one a co-worker, the cousin of Barnabas, John Mark. Remember that guy who quit on Paul? Now Paul is saying, he has brought me so much comfort. And then he mentions a guy by the name of Justice. And he says, these are the guys who are workers, my co-laborers, my fellow servants, and they have provided comfort for me. Now I want to drive home the point of being involved in a church. I have noticed something is creeping into our mindset that's kind of troubling. I run into people often who says, oh yeah, I love Jesus. I believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, but I don't believe in the church. You are missing that fellowship of comfort with co-laborers. You are missing the opportunity to receive comfort. You are missing the opportunity to provide comfort. 
Think about who could be blessed if you would take the gift that God has given you and use it in your local church. Think of how much you would be blessed if you would be serving along with somebody. Recently, had one of our guys in the church was hurt, uh, fell off a ladder, was hurt, and and uh, you know as a result of that, he has had an outpouring love and support from our congregation. It's unbelievable, right? Just the support that he's received. He is overwhelmed with love. He's not even sure how to receive all this comfort. That is the comfort of fellowship with co-laborers. Listen, work together. God's given you a talent. God's given you the ability to be a blessing to somebody. Why don't you use that gift to bless somebody today? Well, let me give you the last layer, okay? You may be looking at your life and say, well, uh, I don't have those six layers you've talked about. I have trouble forgiving people. I have a very small amount of faith. I don't think the future is that great. I don't hardly have any friends. Uh, my family is dysfunctional. Uh, I don't fellowship with other believers. This last comfort really is the core upon which all the other layers are wrapped around. And that is the comfort of an always faithful God. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Here we have an ever-faithful God who is always providing comfort. On February 27th, 2009, Linda Page lost her husband, Bob. Bob died of cancer, and uh, she was just 60 years old, and Bob was a great man of God. Uh, He brought so much comfort to his family, and so comfort was needed. And she said, sometimes when you lose somebody really close to you, it feels like nobody can really help you. It's not that they don't want to help you. It's just that it seems like there's nothing that can bring that comfort. And she says, with God as just that comfort I need, I found comfort with strength in it, comfort with teeth in it. She realized that she had to tap into the comfort of an all-powerful God. And God gave her grace to go through that terrible time of losing her soulmate. What a great way to describe God's comfort. Comfort with strength in it. Comfort with teeth in it. Comfort that is meaningful. There is a certain level of comfort that can only be provided by God himself. You know, I wish I could go along and identify with every hurt that you go through, and I wish you could go along and identify with every hurt that I go through, but that's really impossible, right? My life verse is based upon the fact that God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there is no trial taken us, but such as is common to man. Now, Paul is not saying all trials are identical, but he's saying that all trials have a commonality to them. He says they're common to man. God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted or tried 
beyond that which you are able. In other words, there is different breaking points for different people, and we may not know where that is, but God knows where that is. Somebody else doesn't know where that is, but God knows where that is. And Paul says, God is faithful, and he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able to bear. Now, some people would challenge that, and they would say, well, God will bring about the trial that I can't bear, and then he'll give me the strength to bear it. It's beyond my ability to bear it, and then it gives me the strength to bear it. So God is faithful. Uh, He's not going to allow you to take on more than you can handle. But the rest of that verse says something unusual. It says that God provides a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. In other words, God gives us an exit strategy when the pressure gets too much on us. That's how much he loves us. He knows our breaking point. And I want you to know that oftentimes our breaking point is a lot further down the road than we think it is. We can handle much more than we think we can. God's grace is always sufficient. At the moment of that time of pressure, God's grace comes through and he has comfort with teeth in it. The reason that verse became my life verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, is because I went through about a year of my life battling a bout of depression. And it seemed like the world was going on and I got stuck. I got left behind. I felt like I was walking in a fog. I was going to college. I was involved in doing my studies. But this year was the worst year of my life. And I had a hard time seeing through the fog. And so I went to a a good counselor and And he gave me God's word. And one of the struggles I had, and and you're going to discover if you ever battle depression, is you have a hard time seeing past your own issues. You look at everything through the eyes of depression. You look at everything through the eyes of anxiety. And you get frustrated because you feel like nobody understands the depths of despair you find yourself in. You feel like the world is passing you by. You're walking through a fog and nobody understands exactly what you're going through. Well, this wise counselor encouraged me to look beyond myself, to don't get hung up in this self-absorbed thinking. And that's where that verse came in. The trial that I was going through was common to man. I wasn't the first person to battle a bout of depression. As a matter of fact, uh, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon spent at least a year battling depression. Uh, He actually went mad. And if you read the writings of the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon had some bouts of despair. David went through some times of despair. So when we think about comfort, there are some things that only God can comfort us through. He is the God of all comfort. How do you know that you have been a recipient of God's comfort? Well, Paul tells us that the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, Okay, he's going to be there giving that comfort, but how do we know we've been a recipient of it? The second half of that verse says, so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, notice how that's worded. Paul is very clear. We don't have the ability to only comfort those who go through the same types of troubles that we go through. We are to comfort them with the same comfort that we ourselves received from God. It's not the same trial, but we have the same comfort. You see, the comfort comes from God. This is such a blessing because I used to think I can only help drug addicts not be drug addicts if I've been a drug addict. I can only help alcoholics not become alcoholics 
if I've been an alcoholic. That is a lie from the devil. They need the comfort that comes from only God. The same comfort that we received in another type of trouble. It doesn't have to be an identical trouble because none of us walk the same road. We all have different trials and different tribulations, but the same comfort is available to all who have called upon the name of the Lord. Well, thank you so much for joining me in this three-part series called Come to the Comforter. Oh, I'm praying for you today. I know some of you are driving down the road and this is your drive time. I'm praying that this broadcast will speak to your heart, lift up your spirits, and that when you get home this afternoon, you can encourage your wife, you can encourage your husband, you can encourage your family to find comfort in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, sometimes when I do a funeral, I can sense that the family doesn't have comfort from God because they don't know the God of the Bible. They have no relationship with Him. So today, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, why not right now pray to receive that free gift of salvation? Say, Lord, be merciful to be a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. Come into my life and save my soul. He will. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.